Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. We need to get some mustache wax as part of the I render. So, so Dan? uh, Daniel Roop can well, keep his mustache on about, the microphone. Okay, I'm um, sure going to say we put my some bear, bear, bear grease mustache wax is fresh out. I had some right there. Oh, that would that would be spectacular. Say. Yeah, too bad for those of us that have Bear, so mustaches. Misty, you should grow a mustache. You should grow a mustache. You look great. You look great. We should get Misty a fake mustache <laughs> to wear just so I can during fit in. the render, just so you don't feel so out of place. I don't feel like an outsider. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be really good. You could wear one of those turkey beards. Well, there you, you go. Are so good. I feel pretty confident. <laughs> Let's get the fake mustache. Uh 2022, Misty gets a mustache. Yes, for sure. Actually, not. not hey, my welcome, goal. welcome to the Bear Grease Render. Fantastic to see everybody here today. It's really good to be it's, seen. It is 2022. It is okay. Envision, envision mm. yourself <laughs> in 19 and 99. Okay, and think about talking about 2022. We were preparing for Y2K. Yeah, the world I got was my water purifier. <laughs> Had my water purifier. I'd stoked up. A couple cases stacked, of shotgun shells. Up, uh, exactly. Are you kidding? Yeah. Is that you? No, really, I'm dead you serious. Were, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm still ready for Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, entire container full of pinto beans. Oh, my God. Well, my mom. Wait a minute. Whoa, stop, I, stop. Hold on. My stop. mom got a pound. No, you got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You got a, a container full of what? Pinto bean. Pinto. Pinto. No. Pinto. Pinto. Say it again. Pinto. Pinto You beans. might as well be saying acorn. <laughs> <laughs> I do say acorn sometimes. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Get out. I, I, I admit Josh, that my Josh family has is a dicey background. He really does. My Way family's all Yankees. I don't want to know. Oh. Okay. Back to my original uh, <laughs> question here. Um, <laughs> you guys kind of took it and ran. <laughs> I didn't even hear a question. I think it was like Clyde's I was, introductory What I was comment. trying to get at was, okay, if you're going from 2021 to 2022, it doesn't sound like that big of a leap. No. Okay. But imagine... I wrote 2022 today for the first time. Wrote it on a piece of paper for whatever, you know, dating something. My you chick. did this or I'm imagining chick. it? I, I can't did keep this. Up with I'll, what I'll show you about. what I did. Look, in that little note right Just there, I put one, two, 22. Okay. And I thought, golly, can you imagine in the 1990s, you know, I would have been a teenager thinking about 2022. Okay. Stop that, stop that thought. And now think about 2045. Lord of mercy. I don't have Do you see my point? Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. The brand will be alive. I'll be dead. <laughs> Brent's, Brent's hoping for next week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for the end of this render. Point being, time seems to be continuing to progress. Yes. So, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, I don't know what waters. kind of a Where, is this a question? intro that this was. was ju- this was, Wait, one of, this was a thought exercise. This is one of Clay's questions on. that we don't get to answer. He actually answers for us. Foreshadowing. It feels a little bit like. Do y'all remember Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Which is a little bit. Yep. A, a little bit Jack Handy ish. Except not funny. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the Onyx guys and Rusty Johnson would have given me this much flack. <laughs> they definitely would oh, not. So now have. You're, you're being They're critical of That's because the... they only spent a week with you. We've known you since 1999. <laughs> <laughs> we're still dealing with the fallout. <laughs> I think I met you in 1990. Would have been 1998. No, it was 99. 99. 99. Yep. yep. 23 years ago. The longest 23 years. You could have killed somebody <laughs> and got yeah. out of prison by now. I know. And I be know. done with it. Well, wow. I said all that to say happy new year. We have one mystery guest with us. Oh. Hey, if you were if you really followed Bear Grease, you could probably guess who it is. You could guess who you it could was. see I the patterns. Could. The patterns. Yeah, yeah you could see the pattern. Goes. The pattern, the, and here's the pattern, and you can guess. Be thinking, if you listen to the last podcast, which you should have, the Folsom Part 4, the mis- the unsolved mystery of fluted stone, mm. You there would have been a guest on there that's here today. I'll introduce him here in just a minute, as is our custom. But to my left, Dr. Daniel Roop, great to see you. Happy to be here. Really, you considered shaving your beard after you saw mine. Well, your mustache does look really good. That's the nicest to, thing you've I, ever said to me. I know, and I really hate to say it. <laughs> I, I'm begrudgingly said it looks good, a little too good. <laughs> okay, real. to your left is our mystery guest who we'll come back to. To his left, Josh Lambridge, Spillmaker. Hello, Happy New Year. Great to see you. Uh, my my biggest uh, desire, my thing to see this year, is the render when we all get together and that chair just breaks on Daniel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's coming, man. Uh, it's like <laughs> hanging it's by a thread. You are, still hanging you by are thread. risking your I'm life shimmying in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be good. Edge. To your left, back from wherever he came from, Brent Reeves. Hello. 
Great to see you, Brent. It's good to be seen. Everybody heard always. Brent's uh, yeah, holiday we, greeting. We appreciated that. that. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. It was almost like Christmas right in the party. room. Oh, I hate to miss that more than anything. And the cookies. I don't guess nobody saved any. We all got one. Yep, no we got cookies. one and then no more. Yep. We did leave an empty chair for you last time. That was mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. We, I took a picture of it. <laughs> that, that was good. <laughs> We've been traveling, man, for the holidays and all that. Been to Texas and meeting folks, meeting Render people, fans of the Render down there. David McDaniels, good guy. I think a lot of us, lot of us like talked it. to him here. Absolute mm-hmm. wonderful guy. Good family guy. Nice. I had a cup of coffee with him. He, I bought it, so the next one's oh, on wow. him. Oh, wow. You send me the bill. Can you imagine me buying it's coffee? Right that means when I go through Texas, he's buying me coffee. Correct. That's how it works. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Brent, you've been coon hunting a lot? I've been coon hunting a lot. I went last night, man. It's like 25 degrees. Michael Roseman, Sunspot Lights, calls me. He says, hey, you going hunting tonight to prove my theory? And I said, I'm going hunting tonight to tree a coon. He said, well, my theory is that they don't, they don't, and I don't think it's a theory. He said, it gets like 28 degrees. Coons don't move. They do move. Mm-hmm. Is that the threshold? They just, well, <laughs> what they do is they move around in the in the den tree when your dog tree's on them, but they they ain't coming out. So <laughs> there would be there would be a different temperature regimen for different parts of the world because there's parts of the Coon Range where 28 degrees. If they didn't move below yeah. 28, they would never move. Yeah, but down where Brent's where at, I'm at, which is further south than even here, that's pretty darn cold. Yeah, and I, it, it does matter to the recent weather patterns Mm -hmm. so we've had this super warm december and then it got super duper cold and that's what i remember when i first started coon hunting in high school jeff cunningham Mm -hmm. who was who got us me and my other buddy coon hunting we wanted to go coon hunting on a real cold night and he was like clay these are the nights that those coons eat all year round so they don't have to leave the den right and we didn't believe him and we went coon hunting and we rarely treat anything with super cold for the region. My hmm. thing was I like I just enjoy. I fixed me a thermos of coffee. I loaded the dog up, and we hit the woods, and I yeah. sat out there in the dark. There is something great about hunting when it's cold and it's clear. Man, yes. you could hear yep. forever. Yeah. And when he when he did strike and open up and tree, it was he was probably three hundred and sixty yards away. I think I looked on my tracker. Man, it sounded like he was just right there. So yeah, it that's sounded that's, good. Oh, you know, great. sound does travel different on a cold night. Oh yeah, it's crisper, clearer. Good. Well, man, good time. we gotta go coon hunting. Me and Brent gotta go coon hunting. To Brent's left, my boss and scheduling manager, who I would like to request a coon hunt with Brent for, my wife, Misty Newcomb. Nice to be here. I definitely don't want that job. I <laughs> <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I want you to have. I don't you, want to be the scheduling you mean I manager. Get to manage my no, own I get schedule? to be the boss, but yeah. <laughs> you're not quitting as boss. I'm good with that one. I don't want the scheduling manager. That'd be kind of stressful. Hey, Misty went squirrel hunting with me the other day. It's a true Way story. Yeah, I would like to. I, can I speak freely? Sure. <laughs> you're the boss. Sure, you're the only one without since a mustache. I'm, since I'm above, listen, you guys, I, I haven't shot a big old shotgun like that a whole lot since I was a little girl. I remember having a good shot. Brent will remember from bear camp mm-hmm. when you and Isaac were trying to teach me that I have a left eye dominant. Oh, yeah. You're crazy mm-hmm. in the head. And crazy in the head. Whatever. No mustache I'm, and left and, eye uh-huh. dominant. What Which, kind of woman is this? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'll just be honest. I'm not a great shot. I, I haven't shot a lot of squirrels, like 
ever. Mm. So Clay tells me, hey, come with me and we're going to have a lot of fun. This is, and he, you know, when he takes the boys, he gets them candy, like some of our kids. When <laughs> Did they he young. buy you candy? That's no. Nice. First off, no, I was expecting candy and I, I got none. I feel like I'm being sideswiped. <laughs> well, you said I could speak freely. Second. I would have bought you candy. Second. Hold off. You, you know what? He actually did you volunteer. You should know that she wants candy. But I don't want to say I want candy. Exactly, Clay. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, Daniel. Well, this turned. Oh, oh Daniel, an apology. Uh, listen, you too. <laughs> so then we go and we shoot. I, I can't even remember. I just remember that Clay started mocking me. Huh. Like, huh. actually mocking me. And, and My ma- hand is over my mouth. He's, he's holding his tongue. Not just mocking me while shooting, but afterwards when we would be around other like expert shooters, he would start mocking my because proficiency. I mean, just a, just I would walk up and I didn't know what was happening, but there was lots of giggling, and it had to do with me, and it had to do with that gun. And I told Clay, "These are this is the worst. What is it? R three? Is that what they call it? Hunter recruitment. Yeah. yeah, this is the worst hunter recruitment strategy I have ever seen in my life. Mm. You, it's it's not like I woke up that morning and thought, gosh, I really love squirrel hunting. No, I did not. Here's the question, though, Missy. <laughs> did you enjoy it? I did. I had a great time. Uh, we, okay, she said all that. We had a fantastic time. Wonderful. Time. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna go ahead and as, well, as the host time. of this show, I'm gonna go ahead and say that I did not mock her. He giggled. Okay. I did giggle just a little bit okay, because let's acknowledge it. What, just the first the first squirrel that we shot at. No, stop. This is this is terrible. Our, oh, yeah. Oh. This is horrible hunter recruitment. If people feel like if they go hunting with you, no, you're no, gonna no, mock no. them. I was afterwards. just trying to help you hit the squirrel. By mocking her. <laughs> By mocking me. To verbal no, no, humiliation. No, no, no. <laughs> to, no, no, no. <laughs> to a giant no, I audience. Just, I just gave her a small bit of feedback on That's her motivation. aiming. That was all. <laughs> like, that was all. Don't mess it up. <laughs> no, no. It was, it was very, very clear, Had to do with articulate my... feedback. And, and then giggled about it with others later on. I'm sorry for that. And then uh, giggled about it. That's the, that's the part that really stung, you mm. know? Like mm. we had this great time. And then I walk up at all the Christmas parties we went to. Sure would have been nice to have a little more candy and a little less giggling. You know what I'm saying? That's what you I've been saying, saying all these years I've known him. Wow. Just wow. a little more candy and a little less giggling. Let me go near the way Missy, you if it makes it. you feel better, I've hunted with Clay a fair amount, and he's never bought me candy. Has he ever giggled He bought at me you? a... He's never mm. stopped giggling. I don't know that he's ever... He actually might have giggled at me. I remember the time when we... That famous picture that's on Instagram now when we were young, and, and mm-hmm. you were good looking, and I... I was not mm. <laughs> that hog that you've got so beautifully displayed out on the rock there. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? How that went down? Uh, I remember no, you killing don't. it. Yeah. Here's what happened. We Clay's Josh like, looks hey, we, we pull into the, we pull into the to the national forest, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, hey, I think there's some hogs. I, I bet there's some hogs down here. And I'm like, awesome. I'm I'm so excited because he told me so many stories about. <laughs> Killing hogs, and we get out I, I don't of the truck, and this. we. I just you have I to climb the hill to this field, and he said it, we get to the corner of the field. He's got his bow, I've got mine. Well, my I say mine, Gary Newcomb's old bow that I had <laughs> stolen, and uh, wearing Gary Newcomb's old pants, probably, uh-huh. probably. And uh, he said, "Here's what we're gonna do: if we see some hogs, we're both gonna draw, and I'll count to three, <laughs> and we'll both shoot at the same time." I'm like, okay. So sure enough, we crest the hill, and it's it's barely shooting light. I mean, it's just about to be dark. And he goes, look at that. And there's probably half a dozen hogs out. And uh, he's like, okay, you draw, I'll draw. And uh, I draw, 
and Clay's go one, two, <laughs> and he just drills this hog, and the hogs scatter. Oh, what happened to three? <laughs> you shoot on three, man. You're supposed to get that squared away. Is it one, two, three? Shoot. I one, totally two, forgot shoot. about that. Yeah. Because. Me so Misty, and I, my, you feel, I feel, you your feel pain. my pain. Oh, I actually had wow. a, a really 2022 good time. 2022 is really starting up. Let me say, though, and this is connected to our mystery guest who I'm going to introduce. Yes. Oh, okay. My first okay. cousin, Todd Marriott, and I successfully pulled off a double um, nice. where we drew on hogs. We were in tree stands. Counted to three. We had a little more time to plan. Did Todd do the counting? <laughs> to Clay's to Clay's credit, it was a very last minute like we were fly on by our the way seat to deer camps. Yeah, and we pulled past the spot that I thought I bet there's some hogs up there. And I mean, we jumped out of the truck and literally within five minutes, ten minutes, I had killed a hog. <laughs> <laughs> I had not. The, the other time with Todd, it was a little more. It was a little more strategic. Quite strategic. We went in, found a white oak acorn tree, dropped rain and acorns, hogs on all underneath it, went in, hung stands, woke up way too early because we didn't set our clocks back and it was a time change. <laughs> and we got in the tree like hours before daylight, sat there, daylight, oh. hogs came in, killed them. Just like, well, pretty much killed them. It's a long story. It's a really long story. But that's connected to Rick Spicer, Todd, Todd our mystery guest, Yay, because Rick. Rick knows my... Other first cousin, <laughs> Todd's brother, Sean Marriott. That's right. There's a and lot of name dropping on this podcast yeah, so well, far. We're going to need a, hey, a flow welcome chart. Let's welcome Rick Spicer. Rick. Yes. Hand clap for Rick. Thanks so very much. Rick was the, the Folsom napper on Which the last was podcast. riveting audio, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's all that Clay's that, doing. So, uh, I'm just a napper. You just hear yeah, that clap, I just hit rocks. Yeah. Just yeah, Clay's the, the one that captured it all. But no, I really appreciated being able to be part of that. I had a great time. Yeah. So so the trend with guests that you could, in the future, be able to forecast who's going to be here. If you're local, I, you know, I'll try to get you on the render. You know what yeah. I mean? Sure. But like, so the other guests would have been Renella, who's in Montana. He'll David never Meltzer. be on this podcast. He knows better. <laughs> I think you're setting yourself up right here. Like, what if? What? Well, you see what I'm saying? I mean, I'd be careful. It's not. There's not, There's no hard and fast rules. I think that Rick is special. You don't want to be. And, Rick is special. And that's why he's here. She don't want to be this guy. She's going to be She's no king. Okay. <laughs> Rick came in like last minute and it had not made many Folsom points. So it's not like Rick is like the national Folsom guy. He, <laughs> he is a fantastic Flint napper though. He looked, oh, he gave man. me this piece right here. Oh my here. gosh. Well, he made that. When I was you listening this. to this on the I way did. up here and he started working on that Folsom point, I thought, man, it's going to be so cool. Everybody on the ring is going to get a Folsom. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. These are easy to make. Hey, this is gorgeous. I'm holding the one Rick made and it is beautiful. Thank you. Now that, that's not a Folsom point. How would you describe that point, Rick? Uh, that's basically a pretty standard arrowhead. It's a side notch point um, with some fairly heavy serrations. So it, it doesn't follow any specific. It's just uh, a functional hunting yeah, it's just stone a, point. Exactly. And that, that's exactly what I made that Okay, Rick, for. let's say you're a Paleolithic hunter. You've suddenly appeared in North America, mm -hmm. by which way is a complete mystery to modern science and all of us. And you got a big piece of stone. What yep. kind of stone point are you making to put on your arrow? Well, a, a lot of it has to do And with you know nothing that you know now. 
I'm going to make the easiest thing I can, right? Like, what tools do I... I mean, I've actually put myself in similar situations before where I've, like, really? walked out into the woods with nothing and tried to be like, what can I make? Mm. You know, I've, I've done things... Like the most extreme example, I lived for a month one time out in the woods with nothing. Really? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Where? Where in were a you? Swamp in Louisiana. Really? Yeah. Did you? Oh wow, we need more info on that. I mean, okay, this, answer this the is... question, then we're going back to that. We're going back. No sidetracks. The question is, what kind of stone point would you make? So the the, the reason the, the the idea is that maybe Rick would have been the one that came up with a Folsom point. Let's see. So, uh, if, yeah, it has everything to do with like what tools I have available to me, what type of stones around. But essentially, the first thing you're going to do is like try to break the thing. It's like you're going to pick up this rock and figure out how to break it. And you can do that by hitting the rock on something or t- pick up another rock and hit that rock with it. And that's got to be the right kind of rock, though. It's got to be it does, a, yeah. a metamorphic or it's going to be harder. Yeah, it's going to be harder than the rock that you're hitting, harder than the chert itself or the flint that you're hitting. Because if it's not, it's just going to break when you hit it. Right? Like if you pick up a piece of sandstone and try to hit it, it's just. Well, gonna... I'm saying the 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 you can't just go out here and pick up a piece of limestone and nap it. Or no, or because it's sandstone. The or... the the. the um, uh, geologically, the structure of the stone is not right. That it, you need a stone that's amorphous or that is uh, consistent throughout, because if it has a lot of impurities, it won't. It, so the every, the entire napping process is built around a concept called the Hertzian cone, um, either the Hertzian cone or the conchoidal fracture. You ever take a BB gun and shoot a window? What happens to the back of the window? No, Man no, you never no, done that before. Never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Why piece, do you ask? Let's just call it a piece of glass. How about okay, that? It doesn't okay. have to be a window. Oof. What happens to the to the BB though when it hits the window? What does the glass do? Oh, it just shatters. Breaks? No, Didn't. not necessarily. I mean, it might, but if it doesn't break, I should have prefaced that. Yeah, it makes a little cone. Yeah, it makes that's a, cone. a Hertzian cone. Okay. Okay. And so, and because glass is crystal, it's amorphous in nature. Okay. It's the same throughout. So we're looking for stone that has that same type of properties. So if you take an, a rock and you strike it with another rock, what you're getting when you strike it is a you're creating a Hertzian cone. So it's, in other words, it's a predictable angle that you know what's going to happen when you hit it. And that is what makes napping possible is because once you understand what angle to hit the stone, you can predict the angle at which the stone will break. And that allows you to craft it into a particular shape. And that only happens when you're working with stone that is consistent throughout. Exactly. So that would would eliminate sedimentary stone of any kind. Within reason, but yes. um, For the most part, yeah, you're not going to be working with uh, limestone or sandstone. So yeah, no no sedimentary rocks uh, as far as what you would be napping. Okay. So going back to you living in the woods for a month. Define for us what having nothing means. Uh, the clothes on my that I walked in with. Really? Yeah. Just walked in with some clothes. Yeah, that was actually part of a History Channel project that I did. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. What yeah. was that? It's a show called Alone the Beast. Oh. Uh, and you can watch it on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. I didn't you know watch, you were on that. You can watch it on... Uh, uh, no, I saw it. You saw Rick? Yes. It's, it's all coming back to you now. It's coming back. <laughs> I thought I was having a flashback. <laughs> Three people. Yeah, there's three people, and it's like a process, or not a, not a limit, but it's basically can you make it? Was one the of the three people a hippie? I feel like there's always in those shows uh, on hair. on a different episode, not on mine. Is there any way that y'all think that this story will now overshadow the story of me 
the perception of me being Your name mean again. to my wife. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, we'll bring that up appropriately. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Rick. Uh, no, I, I, the only reason I bring it up is because, like, that, you know, well, first of all, there's no rocks in Louisiana. I don't know if anyone knows that or not, if you haven't spent <laughs> yeah. any time down there. So one of the things that was most frustrating to the whole experience is that I've developed the skill and I couldn't do it. There were uh, no rods to nap yeah. while I was down there. So it's, you know, in a way it's sort of pointless that I bring it up in the sense that I, I wasn't able to realize those skills or to test myself in, in that situation. But I have done it here I've in the got, Ozarks. Once you get done with this story, I've got a story of why there are no rocks in Louisiana. But uh, I, you're gonna say I thought you were going to say, yeah, one like, time I lived in the woods for, for 31 months. days. Like <laughs> 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 I didn't even 47 have minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you? How did he you was live? Right? Afraid. <laughs> we we figured out. Uh, we worked out how to cut up an alligator with a reed. Whoa! Yeah. Really? Yeah. We yeah we processed a whole alligator with. A, so you had a part with, with a common reed. reed. There were three of us in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So you're working together. <laughs> or were yeah. you were you competing against no, each no, other? No, no, no. It was a team effort. You Nobody got other. voted off. It's the like island. the anti-survivor. No, it's like yeah. It was weird that they shouldn't. The collaborator. Like, I'll say this now because I don't think I'm under any like contracts or anything anymore. But like the name was really misleading there was we weren't alone ever so like they tried to hook it on to the other mm-hmm. successful oh, series of the alone marketing of because alone. it was like the same network right but right. like they should have to- called it something totally different and i think that was a lot of the issues they had with promoting it is because we weren't alone you, you had know? a crew there it was we, yeah and we weren't filming ourselves i mean we would at night yeah. but we were uh, there was a whole film crew during the daytime so not only were we not alone in the sense that there were other people in the experience with us but there was a whole film crew six days a week out there with us you can wow. put just so, an asterisk like alone right I think what, I like alone. the direction you're going. I think that we <laughs> should all suggest alone. alternate names. <laughs> yes. Together in the woods. Alonish. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Alonish. That's so good. But the main point though is that you did you guys you didn't get support from these people though. No, yeah. It, it was we were out there figuring it out and yeah. I mean I lost I'm not a big guy, and I think I lost 23 pounds. Ooh. Oh, wow. uh, yeah! By the time it was all over, what did, did you the camera eat, you know? crew were they eating? Like, would they just pull no, a snicker they were, bar out? They were. I have a lot of respect for those <laughs> guys cookies. because they respected us. They never ate in front of us, not once. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, they were actually. I really got along well with the camera guys that oh, were there. Good. They were yeah, very encouraging. See them with gummy bears. Uh, <laughs> no, they were they were cool for sure. And in fact, we, we would know they would leave, and we were like, "They're they're eating. They're we eating. know what they're doing." And <laughs> come back, and they smell it. Yeah, And they would they'd come back, like and we'd be like, "What'd like you guys have for lunch?" And they'd, they'd always find a way to change the subject or something. You know, they'd be like, "I wow. don't really know what you're talking about. We were having wow. a meeting, or you know, something like that." We were interesting. That's so, cool. so Rick is the Flint Napper. That's a whole from other podcast episode. Man. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you know, I I, I know Clay Hayes yeah. who won, won alone. alone. Yeah, that's it, a big deal. Boy, uh, it really is. Yeah, I mean, not only did he win five hundred thousand dollars, but he he stayed in the woods and 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 I I would have I I've never watched those kind of shows. We we just don't have. <laughs> Network television yeah. haven't right. for twenty years. <laughs> we do and have fun so I, I never no candy. 
No TV. <laughs> Mocking me. <laughs> Lots when of I... giggling. <laughs> we're seeing we're seeing no, a window into I, life. I would here. I would be pretty unfamiliar with these kind of shows. And when I talked to Clay, it was it was interesting talking to him because I talked to him after he'd won, but during the period of time when he couldn't tell mm-hmm. anybody if he won. Right. Oh. And he was under contractual agreement yeah. to not give any <laughs> yeah. intel. You were like Where'd you get They're the serious car about this stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, I followed him out in the parking lot to see what kind of truck he drove. Like, oh, you got a brand new 4x4. Four four. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How no. much money did he win? I mean, this is not like private intel. This is the whole oh. marketing of the show. Okay. So I'm not like giving away yeah. insider info. Five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, Five hundred thousand. Yeah. Five hundred thousand. Half a million dollars. Whoa. That's what I understood. Yeah. And he, he said it was one hundred percent legit. I mean, he said. They turn you loose, and he was in British Columbia. Yeah, I've watched oh, yeah. those. I, I actually yeah. have. Was, oh yeah, I've got several friends who have been on that show, uh, mm. and it's legit. Like, yeah. they're they're not playing. They come uh, in for medical periodic yeah. medical checks to make sure the people aren't going to die. Yep. Clay is thin. He's a thin guy. Yeah, he's he a super lean on, guy. He put on tw- as much weight as he could before, so he put on twenty pounds, which was really hard for him. Put on twenty pounds, and then he lost. He lost twenty pounds in the first twenty days. I'm pretty sure. Oh wow! And then he stayed seventy four days. But man, on those That's shows, a long time. It, yeah. I, I kind of got to once Clay was on there. I started following it and kind of started getting some intel from other seasons. And usually, it's one or two things that happen that give someone this major advantage. Right. And they were in a very non game rich area of British Columbia. And yeah. Clay is an excellent traditional archer. He killed a deer at some point, and it was yeah. the only big game animal killed, as a, as I recall, in the whole show. They're that's allowed right. like ten items, isn't it like ten items? I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah. You get a list of ten things. Yeah. One of my items would be an RV. <laughs> <laughs> is that? Is that? Is that I would. Okay. One of mine would have been gummy bear <laughs> for Misty. Just one gummy bear <laughs> for Misty. Send these to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so when I came home on day four, she'd be happy. <laughs> day four. Okay, back to, uh, got the wrong back to back to we're recording the podcast here. Back to why there are no rocks in Louisiana. Louisiana. I forgot. About I'm serious. That. I have a really legitimate answer. Do you know this? The do you, so you, you, I have a okay. I have my own reason, but. But I, I would be curious to His see if it's the same is a little as yours. Bit, no, it's a little destabilizing. Is, the environmental is, soil science major is about to explain to us. Don't be thrown off by Clay's, do you know this? <laughs> That's just his mode of operation. He's <laughs> The best thing to do is just nod and then let him say whatever he knows. Okay, okay the Washita Mountains <laughs> he just Googled it. are the place where the, the South American continent bumped into the North American continent. The mountains buckled. At one time, those mountains were 10,000 feet tall. The Washita Mountains, the only mountain range running east and west in between the Rockies and the Appalachians. Those mountains were snow-capped and at one time were on the coast of what we would call a Gulf. I mean, it wasn't the Gulf of Mexico at that time. There, Josh, at that time, there was no country of Mexico. Oh, really? Um, but the Did ocean, they still have Mexican a, food? <laughs> a shallow ocean came all the way up to the interior of what is now Arkansas. Yep. And so there would have been a 10,000-foot-plus range of coastal mountains where the Washita's now are. Those mountains eroded over time and filled in what is now called the Washita Basin, which the Washita Basin is essentially parts of East Texas, all of Louisiana, and parts of western Mississippi. And so the, the sediment of the Washita's formed 
Louisiana and all that stuff. And all the rocks stayed here. So Louisiana is the runoff. Yeah, Louisiana is, is it filled in the ocean. And then the rocks, when you go down the Washita's, I mean, it's, it's rocky and rough because all that stuff stayed. I really don't know if that's why oh, there are no rocks in Louisiana. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, I think to, to add to that, I would say that obviously like the Delta and where the Mississippi flows into the Gulf, it's a huge alluvial plain. Right. There has so been eons worth and, of yeah. silt and sediment deposited there. Sounds like he's that's supporting likely my, my thing. You didn't use hundreds the word alluvial, of feet deep. Yeah, alluvial really made that, that explanation nice. As soon as he went <laughs> alluvial, I thought, <laughs> why? 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 He spends a month in the swamp, and all of a sudden, he's the expert on the render. He said alluvial, and I was like, God, this guy's weird. He said alluvial, I was like, I like that You had me at alluvial. It's the Rick render. Rick, though? You just got Rick render. The reason Rick is here is he is now the new host of the I have been fired. Oh. I, that, I think we're on the same channel. Yeah. I think we're on the same channel. I think channel. we are. You had the early version. I had the little bit later version. <laughs> I think they met. Uh, to disagree here. Woo. Man, Woo. that was good. good stuff. That was good. Mm. Um, switching topics slightly, just a smidgen. Daniel Roop has been on a roll, and he killed another deer this oh, week. Oh, man. Number four? Hey, number four. And all giving Clay a hard time aside, I would not be able to hunt. If it wasn't for Clay Newcomb. Oh, wow. Oh, yep. whoa. Wow. He is a podcast just took teacher. a swift turn. A little tear in my eye here. Yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. took a turn. I have been. So, you know, we've been away for a long time, and it has been so fun. This has be been back. your first fall back in 12 years. First fall back in 12 years, and I just got my fourth deer with a bow. That's and awesome. I'm just man. having a wonderful time. That's awesome. Hey, your son is in a lot of pictures. Is he loving this? He really, I'm probably this spring gonna get him a bow and start okay. taking him out but he comes with it he came with me this last time now did he he didn't <clears throat> hunt with you though no i just don't have a setup for two of us to be way up in a tree right um but this last time the whole last hour i was out it was just raining 30 degrees yeah, raining turned to snow and then i took this deer and so the whole place was wet uh-huh. and i went home and got my my yeah. second son who loves to come with me and track him and he tracked it with me for about an hour. Oh, really? And I had he, to do a pretty nice. good That's track. Hard, yeah. He got out in front of me. I was like, his name's Zion. I call him Big Z. I was like, Big Z, get out in front of me. You know, he just did a great job. We that's had a awesome. grand old that's time. Great. That's, that's yeah. a, probably a really good way to introduce him. Yeah. Letting him see the kind of the drama of the yeah. of a trail job. And, I, and you know, me, you know, when you get a deer, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I got a good yeah. shot. I saw it, but did right. I? And, you know, are you going to get this deer? Are we going to find it? And you go like 15 minutes without seeing blood. And then you're like, oh, I got it over here. You know, it's just How far so did the deer run? Fun. He went, uh, she went about 175 yards, but a real circuitous pass. Really? Path, you know, just all mm-hmm. kinds did of Did you hit it a little bit far back? A little bit far back. But yep, Whoa, okay. it didn't make any difference. Super this impressive. Is, well, yeah. this is mm-hmm. what he. <laughs> if you hit him very far forward, <laughs> you miss him. This is not. <laughs> This is why I'd I'm be glad me. to give you some advice. I mean, if you're looking for advice. Every time I pull back on a deer, I just hear Clay giggling. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Uh, that's congratulations. Good. That's Thanks. good. Yeah, yeah lots of deer meat. He stays with man. me. We he's gutted and now skinned and way to go. Processed three of them. How old me. is he? He's 13, 14. Okay. He's 14. Perfect. Yeah, so that's you awesome. gut a deer. Yeah, yeah that's good. You get to me. hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time to hunt.
Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The old-timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the South. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, so Rick makes his own bows, does pretty much everything. Am, am I right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. So he, he, every single component of his hunting weapon for bow hunting deer the only thing that, that I routinely use that, um, uh, you know, I don't... Is, is it crossbow? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I use... I do hunt with steel broadheads a lot. I, okay, that's yeah, right. Yeah, to clarify, like I have hunted a lot with stone points. Right. And I have right. taken a couple of shots at deer um, and learned some some tough lessons, but I have yet to take one down with a stone right. point. Yeah. But, but you're using a self-bow. Uh, yes. Which a self... Do you know what a self-bow is, Dan? Nope. Okay, a self-bow is a one-piece bow. 
uh, it's, well, it's, it's a bow that has no laminations. It's been carved from a single piece of wood. That's right. Uh, As opposed to a traditional bow like those hanging on the wall that have laminations. Yeah. So you basically took a stave yeah. and whittled out. Cut down out. a tree, split the trunk into pieces, and then carved the bow from one of those pieces. It'd be the it's most like primitive awesome. type of archery equipment. Yeah. So, oh, that's yeah, awesome. that's pretty cool. That's real cool. You know, I've spent a fair bit of time with a stone point on the end of my arrow hunting. I told you about yeah. it. Yeah. So there was a year where I took some stone points that my friend David Bond here in Northwest Arkansas made for me. It was a hybrid primitive deal. I was using a <laughs> recurve bow, so which is a a, a modern traditional yeah, traditional bow. You know? bow. Yeah. And I used a carbon arrow and I took a 125 grain field point and on a bandsaw cut a notch out of the field point put the stu- the the haft of the stone point into this little wedge on a JB field well. point I should have used JB well but I used I used <laughs> sinew that I bought you know sinew and epoxy and basically attached a stone point to a field point so that it had a it had a threads on it so right. I can thread it into a carbon arrow. And I was going to try to kill a bear with it. And I, I hunted a long time and just never killed a bear that year. Mm. And uh, and then I was telling Rick this, I was later tree stand whitetail hunting, trying to kill a whitetail with it. And I dropped it just for whatever reason, the arrows didn't fit on the string real good. And it was, and I dropped an arrow out of the tree. Mm. And when that arrow hit the ground, with no real force behind it, that that stone point snapped. Huh. Wow. And it's that was humbling because most of the humans that have ever lived on planet Earth, or let's just say a lot of them, made a living off stone points. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just to think, it, it is not easy to kill stuff no, with a stone point, true. especially when you're family depends on it and your wife is left eye dominant <laughs> yeah. it's it really didn't hard humble you very much though <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> Listen to this. she's like did you get a deer no well, you better have some candy then i'm a gummy bear somebody else is giggling tonight no I, i've always i've, I've kind of tiptoed around the primitive world i've never gone as primitive as is some of the stuff that rick's doing but had deep respect for the guy's that uh, really shot primitive archery. Um, so, yeah, my fa- my my brother's father-in-law, David Albright. Mm. Primitive archery usually goes like this. It's, it follows. It's patrilineal. Patrilineal. <laughs> yeah, it's always like somebody's something. Okay, is yeah. the guy that you know right. that's yeah. done this. Yeah, I feel like but, that's uh, fair. No, I, I was inspired to get into traditional archery when twenty yeah. plus years ago. When I was a compound archer, but I would go to my brother, my brother's father-in-law's house, who was a Albright. fantastic traditional archer. Yeah, yeah. and he just built he his just, own bows. He, and... It's a lifestyle, you know, and it, as it is for so many of these guys. And uh, he made his own bows, and and he, I just was like, as a kid, I mean, you know, twenty something, I was like, now yes. that is a cool way to bow hunt. But it was so stinking hard, I, I just didn't think it was approachable. Yeah. And it would be about 10 or 12 years after I met him that I finally kind of dove in. And that's what you kind of have to do. You, you kind do. of just have to dive in. There's just a lot of time involved in it, you know, and I, I get it. Not, you know, a lot of people just want to go deer hunting. They, they they don't necessarily want to have all this extra stuff that they have to do. Yeah. But if you enjoy, like, 
working with your hands, crafting things, experimenting with things, like it's a really rewarding uh, way to go about it. Being yeah. hungry. Yeah. That, that too. <laughs> yeah. Rick is pretty thin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, I don't kill as many deer as many deer as a lot of my friends do. Uh, no, especially no, the ones the, that hunt with it's rifles. It's the but. ultimate act of hunting self-limitation. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that's really what we do with every aspect of modern hunting. 99% of people, and there's some percentage that, don't but we limit ourselves i mean i went duck hunting last week and it was the the policy amongst the brethren i was with to only use 20 gauges oh really and got it it'd be like well why are you just using a 20 gauge and they're like you know and there it was just a idea of self-limitation and so we constantly constantly do that so transitioning into talking about the podcast i invited devin pettigrew here but he lives in Colorado, so oh. he couldn't come. Maybe but we uh, could have gone there. Field trip. Field trip. Hmm. Boulder, Colorado. I thought his his section was so interesting. I, I talked about it with a couple of the different guys, maybe maybe all of them, but about the transitions, the technology transitions. That was really interesting to me because that's something we see throughout history is human technology increasing, and there's always some kind of drama at the transition. And we know that the Folsom points were – in vogue and being used by this culture for a thousand years. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not. I think yeah. maybe I took it out. But when I was talking to Devin, I was like, no, it wasn't him. It was somebody else I was talking to. I said, does a thousand years sound like a long time to you? And they were like, yeah, it seems like eternity. But to me, that sounded like a really short amount of time. Mm-hmm. When, you th- when you're thinking about yeah. human history and all the other thousand year blocks that are in there and just for this short period of time there was this real radical technology that was used it phased in and it phased out and just there would have been people having conversations about it they would have had extremely practical conversations about that technology just like we do with our broadhead stuff i mean essentially it was it we, we could have a conversation today about using cut on impact heads or using expandable broadheads all of us would be like, oh, man, you got to do this, or you got to do that, or I can't believe you did that. There there had to have been a time when they were like, man, I can't believe you're still fluting those things. Those <laughs> points were you like fluter, disco music. Dirty flute. Yeah. Like, this is really cool. No, this is great. really terrible. <laughs> it was great for the time. Yeah, this is like three years of this. I'm out. So I, I was probably put too much thought energy into – form or function like or or like was it functional Mm -hmm. and i have decided today this morning i listened to the (laughs) podcast again i decided it wasn't functional it wasn't no yeah i i mean i just think about all the guys that have you know if 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 you don't have an outlet for art like we don't have any material art from that time period and the thing well, that we you, do from that time period of human history, but so, not but the with the Folsom culture. Yeah. Not, not much. If you don't have that, and you're putting all your energy into this thing, at some point somebody should have said, this is my signature. You know what I mean? I'm mm. going gonna, gonna to flute this thing. Because I, I would have done it. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many decks I've built where I just do a certain thing that, sure. to make it look cool or have have a Mm -hmm. signature about it i I think that probably there was the guy that fluted and then he taught i mean if if we're talking about small family groups there had to be a guy yeah that was the first one to flute these things 
and he taught everybody else how to do this. And then it just kind of carried on until people, you know, either had their own signature or they found something more functional. Mm-hmm. So I've decided it Man, is not functional. Hey, I want to give I want to give some backing to what Josh just said. When Josh started talking, I knew, I didn't know he was going to say that, but Josh is extremely crafty with his hands. Josh is a very skilled carpenter. He ties flies. Dan's he builds Dan's belt. Oh, yeah. You where's your belt I, buckle, Dan? I, don't have I wore buckle. these pants to church yesterday, so I have my church belt. <laughs> oh, wow. You get, is the <laughs> black bear not good yes. enough for your church? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and Josh also makes hats. So working with purses. your hands, Josh makes purses, leather backs, purses. Leather bags. Yeah, leather bags. Does your wife Man have a mustache? <laughs> um, she does not. No, not but I'm, I'm saying that's coming from a place of. One. A guy that works with his hands. Yeah. You know, the one the one thing that I thought about that when I can't remember the gentleman that was um, saying at the Folsom site, the Folsom expert Meltzer. Meltzer. Yeah. He was saying you could you could kind of tell there were probably three different. Yeah, um, he could identify different individuals he, yeah. based on their style. And he was kind of saying, I wouldn't be surprised if these 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 folks kind of had their own signature. So one of the things that made me think was in the. In the cultural anthropology class that I teach, there is a hunter-gatherer group that was still in existence up until like the 1950s that was studied extensively. And so there would have been really similar to Folsom peoples, but they had an intense desire to all be the same, to not stand out. So it was real egalitarian. Mm, interesting. Mm. So you could observe their actual behaviors because like you're not looking at the ground. Or whatever, so they're whole. bands of 25 to you know 30 people that would go around these water holes and they would hunt and gather. And I can't remember the mechanism that they used to hunt. But, the, well, yeah, I do. They, they shot arrows. And okay. so they had these entire rituals as they would make arrows and then they would exchange them because they needed to have everything level because personal property would cause... They were, they were the hunter-gatherer Amish. Basically, yeah. And so uh, there were probably were three different folks that, you know, that chipped those rocks out. Mm-hmm. But then if they were really interdependent people that were living day-to-day, subsistence dwelling, I don't know if, I don't know if like other hunter-gatherer cultures that we've been able to observe in real life would espouse this really rugged individualism of, I'm going to leave my mark on this. So I'm deeply intrigued by what you're saying. Are you agreeing or disagreeing with the idea of function? He's disagreeing with me. Well, I think that's what Dan does. (laughs) (laughs) I I think function. I think. I mean, they wouldn't do if it didn't work. But it probably is also beautiful and something you take pride uh, in. But the idea of kind of setting yourself apart would not have been something. I don't know if that would have existed. I think that is an excellent, an excellent point that gives a whole layer to the culture that I've never even thought of. That these people would have had, and they would have. It's not like these were. These were humans that had the same cognitive capabilities as us. They had the same emotions. That they were just like us. One of their babies could have been the president of the United States, mm-hmm. and they would have had deeply set culture just like us. Yeah, highly it's just, sophisticated. It's just, it's just hidden from us. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that that they would have just had these values of no yeah. one can stand out. But I was going to say that could be to his point because it would be non-utilitarian if they just didn't want to change stuff. Like sure. if if a generation woke up one day and they were the hunters 
And they were like, we're doing this like dad did. 99% of the reason is that it's because that's the way we were taught. There wasn't this idea of self-discovery or we're trying to be different. The way they survived was they were the same. Yeah. That is non, I mean, that is part non-utilitarian. And that's where, it's just a whole different, you know, to, I mean, make up a percentage, but probably two thirds of the world that is interdependent agrarian, you know, they have a huge value for honor and tradition Mm -hmm. in the West where we're ruggedly individualistic. We kind of have this luxury of what kind of clothes do I wear? And is this shirt me? And does this express me well, you know, but most of the world that doesn't live at our level of wealth they value tradition because tradition is what keeps you alive. Why are we so ridiculous? <clears throat> I am fully convinced that we have, as Western thinkers, you can't help. We are, our, our worldview is dominated is, yeah. by things that are very hard to control or to see and understand about ourselves. Us sitting here trying to understand these people is like us trying to read Braille and having no idea what any of it means. And we will read, if we're not careful, we'll read ourselves back into, into their that. History, yes. Yeah. Like, you know, like, of course we would. I can't help but compare it to the Mac PC argument. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's because do of that, because I'm a Mac or I'm a PC, you know, like it, I like Macs because I like to say because of functionality, because it's easier to use. But also I think they're cool. Mm. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? And so, like, I was listening to y'all argue, and I thought, and I wondered if maybe they had, like, probably not shirts that said, I'm a Mac, I'm a Folsom, but... <laughs> somebody somebody said the Folsom Fluters would have been a good three-on-three basketball name. <laughs> 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 the Folsom Fluters. But I, you know, I, I wondered about when it, when it stopped, when, when, when the utility wore out on it, because you, they, they got to come to a point, if you're only... What is it, Rick? Thirty percent of the ones you make are are coming 40, out. There's thirty to forty percent failure rate, I believe. Okay, so yeah. Well, that guy Bob, the airhead maker, he's only going to be able to tote so many rocks with him. And when they take that process out of there, when it doesn't have to be fluted like that, when it doesn't have to look just because Grandpa did it, you you know, somebody's got to say at some point. Frank, you're wasting a lot of rocks. <laughs> Frank, you idiot. Now, I we think know. it was a frustrated we know wife. Frank the fluter. We I know wonder that, if Frank got his, his wife some candy before he made it. We know your grandpa it. always did it like that, and I his mean, grandpa did. Yeah, but, there, I believe that there okay. are actual examples of, of that type of thing. Like, do you know the Sloan site here in Arkansas? you familiar I'm with that? I'm not familiar with it. You hmm. should really check that one out. So hmm. it is one of a, a very significant depository of this uh, Dalton. The, okay. the Dalton Point is what's prevalent at the Sloan site, and it's near Curley's Ridge okay. uh, here in Arkansas. And there's different types of rocks there, but as I understand it from things that I've read about that, as the stone sources begin to get further away and they would dry mm-hmm. up, then they started to like not produce the points the same way anymore mm-hmm. because the resource wasn't as good as it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course... Uh, that's still very much a theory, but I, but I think there there's some evidence to support that theory that when they could get high quality stone and it was available, they were going to produce these really fascinating articulate points. But when that went away, they didn't spend as much time, or they like began to work on a different type of point because the resource wasn't as rich yeah, as it was. Yeah, more valuable as yeah. as it decreases in availability. Yep. So there's a lot of factors yeah. at work here, and it's probably not just one thing. 
my conclusion is that it's impossible for us to know, which we, we know that. Agreed. It's, it's clear that there was utility, utility to the fluting in the way that it fit into the, the haft and all the things we talked about on the podcast that made it functional. But I also like what Dr. Meltzer said, is he said, essentially, he was like, maybe it could have been both. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, he said they found bits of red ochre in yes. places where they napped, which yeah. typically, he said it could have been part of the mastic, the adhesive that they used to plug it in, you know, to plug it into the half. But, but he said, usually red ochre was part of a spiritual... Ritualistic. Uh, ri- yeah. Like they were, they were putting ochre on this, on these points, whatever they did. So I, I think, I think, it, I think Misty Newcomb nailed it on the head, despite... He's probably trying to make up for that. What did you say about the Mac computers? It's, it's, it's functional, they're functional cool. but also they're kind of cool. That's it. Functional, but cool. I mean, awesome. I don't think it's a that stretch to think that one led to the other either, right? Like, right. And, it, and it, it could also be the chicken egg thing. Like as far as like, it was it functional first and then because it was functional, it became sacred. And right. we, you know. Yeah, there you go. Right. Um, or for whatever Reese reason, it was the other jokes. way. Uh, it you was, you know, we decided this was sacred, but we know, we, but as we used it, it was also very functional, mm-hmm. which reinforced that. Yeah. But to your point, we'll never know, but it's, yeah. it's fun to talk about. Yeah. So <laughs> can, so can somebody, t- so I really, I, and it's me, it's not anyone else. I still do not understand what an addle addle is. Oh, he was really? describing it and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. should have brought a, one. A, I made one. It's basically a. It's a stick. basically a stick. It's, it's a stick, but there's a lever. Right, describe on? it. Mm. Okay, so it's a stick, and they vary in length, but on average, we'll say they're about two feet long. On the back, there's a spur, so it's a stick, and it has a little spur on the back. Okay, oh. the spur is where the back of the spear fits into. Okay, gotcha. yeah, the a, other a end is a handle, and so it the, it's a platform on which the the spear sits. And as you throw it, it extends that lever. So, I mean, all, it's so simple. I and mean, all it is super is just simple. a stick with a spur. Yeah, you on hold it. on to it, and, and they get more just, complex. So that's what he's talking about—the wrist motion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. Now I understand. You yeah. know, I'm glad you said that because we spent a ton of time verbally trying to describe what a fulsum point looked like. I was mm-hmm. torn with overlapping content because the the thing you don't want to do and literature and different things is overlap too much. So you say the same thing over and over because people get bored. I, I asked Brunella, Melcher, Devin Pettigrew, and then Rick showed us what one looked like trying to describe a Folsom point. And because I just felt like that was important. And then I said, go Google it. And if you had an yeah. image of it, it would a lot, it would make sense, man. I've been thinking about this for five months and I now just now feel like when I see a Folsom point, I get it. <laughs> And it came from watching Rick make one, actually watching him make one. And by get it, I mean, I, I see the value in it. I see the skill in it. I see the art in it. I understand the functionality of it. Yeah. And it took that long. I say all that to say, I did not describe what an Adelaide was because I thought everybody knew. Do you have a video of him making that that you could put on Instagram? Yeah. Do you know it, what social media is? <laughs> Did you uh, pull one? Yeah, did. Yeah. Have I you ever heard of it? It's called Instagram. It didn't, it didn't show the actual <laughs> flute breaking off, though. That's what I want to see. That's what camera, I want to see. Well, I mean, it was. I was. I was holding the audio equipment. Uh huh. This. What I was doing was equivalent 
it was probably harder than making a fluted point. Probably. What you showed was you. I want to see the stone. <laughs> I was holding the audio thing, and then I was filming like this. Mm. I was filming Rick. So Hey, I made a yeah, it wasn't great in the fifth grade. Did you really? really? In the tomato field. My brother, Can my older brother, Tim. No, I'll tell you why. I can't bring it up. <laughs> my older brother, Tim, he's big into finding airheads and stuff. Like he's, He knows a lot about them. Anyway, he's eight years older than me. When I was in the fifth grade, he was telling me about you know, the Indians that lived here, out here where we raised tomatoes, where we had just found some points. You know, they used addles and bows and this and that. So he explained to me what it was. So I got two tomato sticks, and I put a fence staple in, in one, and I sharpened another one. And when he came back <laughs> a couple of days later to visit or whatever, he just lived just down the road. I threw it at him. Mm. I missed him, but he picked, he got the part that I threw and chased me down and beat the fire out of him. <laughs> so they work on both ends. Mm. So, mm. but it did work. I mean, I had that fence staple on the end of it. It worked good. Oh yeah, you can throw it. You know, there was a history, was it History Channel show Top Shot it was like a marksmanship competition where they, you know, everything from modern, super modern firearms and muskets and all that stuff. But they did a big part of the competition with adlatls, and they were oh sweet. They were man. Made a did you know yeah. it? Missouri, Missouri has an adlatl season. Missouri specifically For has real? an adlatl yes. season. That I, would be I think awesome. every. I think it is a crime against humanity and our ancestors that every state in this country doesn't have an adlatl season. I mean, how many deer are we going to kill with adlatls? Right. I was about to say, that needs like, to be year-round. Three. You can't do it in Arkansas. <laughs> At night. I, 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 or a spear. You can't, you can't do it. They're worried we're yeah. going to yeah. maim a bunch of deer. And what? they're no, right. No, 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 oh. no, Dan. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, no. Wow. You, you're getting <laughs> the same I. treatment it, I got uh, for no, the left no eye dominance. No, no, no. What's the reason? You, I mean, that is the thought process, which I believe is an incorrect thought process. Do you I mean, have reason to back up? We are here. Adelaidle's work. Hey, Roger follow, that. Follow that back. Okay. Yeah. Adelaidle is the most primitive human tool on the earth, and I legally can't go out in my backyard and try to kill a deer with it, but I can use a thirty out 6 Well, here's the thing else you got to think about that. I, if we were standing in the court of law, and they let me, and my lawyer let me talk, we would win oh, this Oh, this one. is the I classic right mistake. Now. You're uh, going to defend yourself. I do not need a court-appointed lawyer. I will speak for my... This is what everybody does when they screw gonna it up. Get, you're going to get the addle-addle season taken away, Clay. How many people... No, I, I think they should... I think we should have Here's, another, here's the, the, the add-on to that. Addle-addles work, obviously, because we're here. Folks also used to build fires without a fire starter. And out of all the people that you know, how many people you think can walk right out there in them woods and set them on fire? Without some type Rick of Spicer. In this I, yeah. <laughs> no, two no. people, Misty and Rick. <laughs> Not in this room, right, but of all the people you know, very few. Sorry, okay. Rick, that you got few. demoted to that level. <laughs> That's the deal. No, I, I, I think we're going to hunt with them. They're doing it. It's yeah. been for so many years very now. Very That's, That's their new motto. Missouri, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it. Shout out to oh. Missouri. That good. Get a Shout out, out to the Missouri. license plate. I was just thinking about South. I'm sorry. I was South Dakota came up, and we love South Dakota and South Dakotans, but for they had a slogan that said, meth, oh, yeah. we're on it. We're on and that's it. what I was trying to think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was an anti-drug. This is for real. There was an yeah, anti-drug. It was the worst marketing campaign we're ever. We're on it. Like they're going to take it out. Except for it said, meth, 
we're on it. It's not a joke. Mm. They didn't run. They didn't have too many focus groups. I think on they were grateful one. for COVID. I mean, like I think they were like, great, something else to take everyone's attention on because it was the year before. <laughs> and they were, but yeah, it was pretty fun. Mark that time. Take that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just lost all the South Dakota <laughs> listeners. We're not, we're not nervous. We're just real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Says the drug task force guy. <laughs> I think the idea that history defines us whether that was your main yeah, point yeah. history defines us whether or not we know it yeah. but just like the fact that we're all standing right here because Adelaide's work and i don't even five minutes ago i didn't even know what one was history really does define us whether or not we know it. that's a pretty big point you know what the conclusion of the series that's what i love about what we're doing is that this is not i, I didn't plant devin to say what he said <laughs> And and I started out with a genuine question, like why does any of this matter? Why, why is it important? And you know we could talk about that for an hour. Why it's important? I mean, is this just entertainment to understand this stuff? Is it just entertaining, or is there something more? And you know, Devin right at the end just said he said anthropology is powerful stuff. He said these all this stuff is defining us whether we want it to or not. Yep. So with that, with or without our knowledge of what happened at Folsom and what these people did, and those things are defining us. And I keep going back to this idea that we're in a time period when human nature and humans we're, we're it's like we're looking for a new definition of what it means to be human. And that, and you could take that a thousand different ways. You have a thousand different examples. There's no salvation inside of being a hunter. I don't want. It to sound like that. There is something that is very defining and very simple and very architectural, meaning that it is a pillar of our humanity that we can't get away from no matter what we do. You can choose to get away from it for some period of time usually, but the fact that we're meat eaters and that we lived by an intimate and, and skilled connection to the land, that is a primary definer of our humanity that has to, in 2022 and in the future, continue to define what it means to be human. And so by looking back at this stuff and saying these people were just like us, I don't know, it just, it changes, it, it, I, I, I meant what I said in that it puts perspective on my problems. It puts perspective on the challenges that I have inside of my life really does. And and it just it just kind of grounds you moving away from satisfaction and identity inside of some of this temporal ephemeral stuff. What do you guys think? Oh, I, I agree. Absolutely. I have simplified my life over the last three years to about I don't watch the news. You know what's the old saying? If you watch the news you're misinformed. If you don't watch the news you're uninformed. You know, I get majority of the things that are going on from people telling me, hey, I saw this. This is what's going on here and there. I have simplified my life around, what's the old thing I say to you? If it ain't gunfire, it ain't, you know, everything's probably going to be all right. And I, that's where I tend to lead my family in that direction of simplifying and getting away from all the distractions and everything that are going on. And we just pretty well concentrate on taking care of each other and our friends and our neighbors and doing the right thing and you go but these folks that were making these that's what they were worried about they mm -hmm. were worried about everything yeah. that they could wake up in the morning and see and that was their world and that was 
course, it may have something to do with why they're not here now, but <laughs> you know, I may be wrong thinking, but it's, it's right thinking for me. Why does this matter, Misty? To me, when we talk about bear grease, what I always, how I always describe it to people is bear grease is not just a, a podcast that Clay does, but it's a metaphor for how we live our lives. And that is we hold on to ancient principles and we live our life by ancient principles, but use progressive tools. You know, so there's there's things that really shape who we are, how we live as a family. Um, I, I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast should know by now that biblical principles are a major part of that for us, and that shapes who we are. But it doesn't mean that we, like, hearken back to some good old days that mm-hmm. of, like— you know, I don't wear <laughs> prairie dresses uh, <laughs> from the 1800s, <laughs> although it's Play really dress. on trend right now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we I use computers. We we are, you know, we are very progressive people in one way. And we're always and I think that that's what you you see inside of some of these tools is like you see progress and you see I would define tools differently than, you know, than an arrowhead. Now, those aren't really tools that I use, but we we use progressive tools to accomplish and to live lives that are governed by ancient principles. And I think that anytime you look back at history and you look back at those things, you learn more about that. You get a data point. Mm -hmm. Dan, what do you think? Why does this matter? For me, what really helped me through this whole series on the Folsom is going, you go back 10,000 years to people and they were people. Mm -hmm. They had culture. They had sophisticated ways of engaging with one another. They had really complex relationships and lives. And I think that narrative corrects a lot of thinking that I, I mean before I probably didn't think a lot about 10,000 years ago and people but just the idea that when you go back being human is a very very unique thing mm-hmm. and then I think looking at today and realizing how and you've said it before Clay how absurdly different our lives are today than yeah. the vast majority of all people yeah. yes that have lived it really does put our lives in perspective and I think because our lives are so different now, if 10,000 years ago, there was, you know, I'm making this up, two ways to define yourself. One was a Folsom point and one was a Clovis point. Today, there's 10 million ways to define yourself. And the vast majority of them feel, you know, just overly empty. And we just go from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me, it's grounding. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, why does this matter? For me, like, as, especially as someone who has kind of, a foot in both doors. Like on one hand, I, I'm a like earth skills practitioner. I would, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, I sell the most modern technical outdoor equipment made right. for a living. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rick, so, Rick is part owner in a really cool outdoor store, which you heard on the podcast. Yeah, I spend money. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm pretty we, sure we I appreciate bought that. this fleece there about 20 uh, years ago. Yeah. Really? Maybe Rick will give you your money yeah. back. We now get a discount. <laughs> no, we're buddies. <laughs> no, I think though that there's a lot of value for me in that because the rate at which our society is changing is like exponential right now, mm. right? Like things mm-hmm. just change faster and faster. And I don't know that there's a way to stop that. And I don't know that that, the speed at which things are changing. Well, I'll just say that I don't think it's good for us, but I think that as a species, as a, yeah, as a species, I don't think that our brains were necessarily made to handle all of the things go- that are going on at once right now, the way yeah. they are. And so for me, looking back, uh, I would use a lot of the words you folks have already used, you know, grounding, connective, and it, uh, it feels really good to slow things down 
and look back at how people would have lived and what they needed to live. Mm-hmm. And it reminds That's me that we don't need most of the things that we have around us right now. Yeah. You know, Bingo. Uh, because they're just things. Yeah. What, what matters are the people that are around us, the relationships we have with those people <clears throat> and the relationship we have with this earth. You know, I, I, I go back to this idea that these fulsome points in a thousand years, and we could have picked any style of point. It could have been, there's other styles, but just what we talked about was Folsom. That Folsom point being transferred generationally, we see a stone point because it last, outlasted the erosive nature of time. But what other values and principles were passed down with that stuff? Because there were fathers teaching sons how to nap stone. I know from being with Rick, it's not a fast process. You're in close proximity. You're talking. I mean, I like to think about it as a as a kind of a metaphor for just generational continuance and something stayed so stable for so long. I, th- I think families want that with their kids and not that our kids would be just like us. I, I don't care if my kids are just like me. There are principles and values that I hope my life would impact generations from now of Newcombs that they would be able to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm a product of that. Yeah. I'm a product. Right. I'm not, I'm not isolated. I didn't come up with this version of who I am. You know, it, it, it I can, I, it's kind of a metaphor to me for generational continuance too. And to look mm-hmm. back at stuff like that gives you yeah. vision, Some clarity, yeah. just thoughts of, yeah, life is more than just making more money next year than we had this year, right. getting a newer car, putting a good Instagram post up, being successful in what you're doing. I mean, like life is bigger than that. Looking back does give us a sense of we don't need as much stuff as we think we need. And the ridiculousness of this Western world we live in puts incredible value on material stuff that will not outlast the erosive nature of time. Right. No. (laughs) Right. But Josh, what, why well, is it important? Uh, I'm, I'm not a philosopher like Dan is. I think the thing that I draw out of it is looking back at ancient peoples like this makes me identify the things that were produced in their lives that caused our species to continue on. Mm-hmm. And really that, that comes down to relational activity. You know what I mean? Husbands and wives and children and investing and providing and doing those kind of things and the and the gratitude that we must have for those things and not not a sense of burden but really a sense of gratitude that we have the opportunity to build relationships with one another that we have the ability to invest values inside of our children because it's easy to get overwhelmed with the the crisis and the all the things that are going on inside of the world that when we stop when you know the it feels like the world is moving faster and faster and faster and in a sense it is mm-hmm. but when we slow down inside of our families and we slow down inside of our minds and we stop reeling and we start thinking through things and we start thinking through consequences of our actions that i think that that produces a lot of value in our lives and a lot of peace and hope because i think those are the things that are lacking inside of our society right now is peace and hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all just fear. And uh, so it, it makes me stop and think, what, what, a, what can I observe from those people's lives? They worked hard. They were creative. They were strategic. And applying those things inside of my own life with, you know, Christy and I, as we talk about 
our marriage and raising our kids? What do we need to do to produce the fruit in the future? I think we can glean a lot of those things when we look back historically. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it, it, it's very thought provoking, you know, looking, looking at the Folsom peoples, looking at how mm-hmm. they made their points. It, mm-hmm. pro- it provokes a lot of thoughts that can produce a lot of fruit. So I think mm-hmm. it's good. Josh, I bet yeah. you buy your wife candy. I, I buy my <laughs> wife whatever she wants. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really, I had a great time. I genuinely did. We had so much fun. We had so much fun. Um, we did have a I great did time. I did mess with him about, about <laughs> giving me a hard time about my shot. It was just when you looking over your shoulder and there's this big red squirrel up in the tree. You're going to keep doing it. We're the just gun not gonna was stop. I'm just saying. Like pointed like way over here, and the squirrel was like over here. Uh, okay, listen. A trick shot. I, I am. Uh, I am not. Also wide open. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a ricochet. Oh, I got you. Tail. I got you, girl. Yep. Uh, fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. I, I could talk about Folsom points for. You know, I've I've feared that for. <laughs> episodes on Folsom would get old. It didn't to me. Me either. I really enjoyed that last episode. It was one of my favorites. Really? Why Why was it your favorite? You know, I love, I I think I love the craftsmanship of listening to things made and and talking about, you know, how they would have hafted it and you know in in my mind I'm I'm visualizing all these things. I, I thought it was a great it provoked a lot of visual activity inside yeah. of my mind, and I—that's I, well, something I that I really people, enjoy. I heard a lot of people say that they felt like it was their favorite one in the series. But what was cool about it too is such a diverse series because yeah. we started off with George McJunkin, yep. and hardly even talked about, uh, yeah. hardly even talked about Folsom. Really, it was—it was about George McJunkin, you know. Yeah, super fascinating stuff. And the next, I already told, I already foreshadowed yeah. what the next episode's going to be about. Yeah. it's And it's not just about duck hunting. Like, don't think that. So, But it is a very specific issue that has broader applications to wildlife management in this country and the decisions that we make and how we build hunting culture. How's that for foreshadowing, CJ said? You're trying to bring four. in an addle-addle season for ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't we? Why not? Hey, <laughs> we're here, buddy. That's some right. flu flu. Uh, hey, you see, that, you see that spear right there, Rick? Do you see that? Yeah. I made that spear with the full intent when I was like 21, uh-huh. the full intent of using it to hunt a deer in Arkansas. And I I called, uh, called the authorities that be. And they were like, uh, you hey, can't hunt it. I thought this, I thought it would just down automatically downgrade. Like you can use a, you can, yeah. during right. gun season, you, you can't can use, use a bazooka, bow. but yeah. you can and use an like, atlatl. I was like, hey, it's bow season. I can use a spear, right? And the dude laughed me out of the park. <laughs> really? That's yeah. unnecessary. The city park. He, 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 uh, it's as unnecessary it as was giggling. Meta- <laughs> metaphorically. He metaphorically <laughs> laughed me out. He right. didn't laugh at me. Do you yeah, remember I, his I, name? He wasn't rude. We... Okay, good. I'm his glad. name was... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He, he was very professional with me, but he was just like, no way. I mean, he treated me like I was a college kid. Yeah. Which I guess he had the right to do. Adlatl twenty three. Missouri's doing it. <laughs> Missouri's doing it, y'all. Hey, uh, we we just keep going on and on. I wanted to say this about Missouri. You know, Missouri has a new bear season. Shout out, Missouri oh, yeah. is doing it. They just instituted a new bear season. Man, if you do anything in your life 
support when new seasons arrive for species. Absolutely. They've taken a little bit of flack in in that people there's there's different things where people are like you know anti the new bear season in Missouri, which That's, is ridiculous uh, because put the, aside, the best thing Daniel Roop that could ever happen to you if you were a big game animal is that there would be a season for you in that state. Because where <laughs> animals have cultural... It's Dan season. <laughs> where, see, that's why hunting is such a complex story. Where animals have cultural value, their habitat is protected and they are protected. Where an animal has no cultural value, put it out the door, we don't care. And we've got a thousand examples across this plant where that has happened. You go all over the globe and they don't have as many big game animals as, as many as we do here in North America because they killed them all. Because they didn't culturally value them through sport hunting, roll it up and smoke it in your <laughs> in your in your yeah smoker pipe. I was looking for the Native American word for uh, peace pipe. Roll it up and smoke it in your peace pipe, man. <laughs> More tigers in Texas than there are in India. Wild. Yep. I don't it. know if that's true, but love that it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> well. <laughs> great to have everybody. Rick, great to have you. Thanks, Thanks for coming, for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Hey, check out Rick Packrat Bushcraft. Kiki in the beard. Kiki in mm. the beard. Brent Reeves. With an A. With an A. We all mm. know what that stands for. <laughs> Daniel Roop. I'm Arnold. Oh. DR Daniel Roop. DR Daniel Roop on Dr. Instagram. And then Nukem Farm. Nukem Farm. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta follow One Nukem of the, Farm. A very visually appealing oh, yeah. so Instagram nice. page. Yeah. If you want to see some produce and some Man, that's like Sometimes you'll see the camera slightly lean into the left. Oh, here we go. Boy, you just can't leave it alone. You just can't stop, can you? Oh, it's, it's so great to have you. You could have done so much better, Mr. I, I just, I All don't right, even guys. know what to say here. Have a great, happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.